Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I'm here with my long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry. We have just come back from... C2E2. Dun, dun, dun. The Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. Expo. Two C's, two E's. And we had very different experiences at this expo, and I think it would be good for us to do a little talk about it. A post-mortem, as Claire Marshall would put it. That's right. Are we just stealing Claire's idea and... Um, I think that this is okay. Yeah, this is okay. She would forgive us. Because what we're doing is we're following a fine example. Yes. In order to help others avoid the pitfalls. Right? Yeah. 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 That'll help us rest easier at night, Claire, knowing that we've taken your great (laughs) idea. Um, So, um, I had not been ever before to the Chicago show. And you have been how many times? Well, I have uh, actually... I've been to Chicago shows since 2012, I think I've been going, but I started out going to the Wizard World Chicago show, which is um, another large convention, happens in August, and it's by the airport, and C2E2 happens downtown Chicago. Um, So I've been doing, yeah, I did Wizard World for a cup, four, maybe, yeah, four years, and then C2E2, this is year three for me. Um, Yeah. And and for you, you've never been to any never been. So I had a first show experience, which I haven't had in a long time. (laughs) And I was reflecting on that quite a lot during the show because it felt so different for me. And it was not until like middle of Saturday where I realized, oh, this is what it was like when I started. That's okay now. Okay, now I know where I stand. Because at Canadian shows, there are so many um, uh, fans of pop culture that travel from show to show to show that I can do a quote-unquote first-time show. The first time I did Edmonton, I still had 100 customers from Calgary, Calgary and Vancouver right, that showed up. And, yeah. So people who knew the work and were you know, invested in the work and supporting the work that I did. And so even though it felt like, you know, it was a new city to be in selling the work, I had these, you know, great community around that kind of helped you out, but not so. You'd put in your legwork. You had built built up your community and your loyalty. Yeah. Um, which I don't think we, we talk about that a lot on the show, but we, we keep reinforcing it. Why we do so many events that we do, a lot of them, sometimes not like financially, like, not a financial windfall of a of a local convention or a local event, but we do it to get in front of those people for like the for second the time or the it. tenth time, because we, as we know, you know, sometimes it's it's the third or fourth time somebody sees you. That's when they're like, okay, I keep seeing this guy. I, I keep thinking about his work. This is when I'm going to drop the big bucks and get like everything he's done. And we all don't his books. we don't take chances on the unknown as much as maybe we used to, right? And so if you've seen it around, at least you know where you can get it again or whether you can hold them to account later (laughs) if you didn't like it. So I'm there on the show floor and doing my regular, like just talking to people, doing the thing. And I'm so used to the follow-up of, oh, I saw you at that other show. Oh, you know, I've seen your work for a long time. You know, I'll, I'll take it give it a shot or if I pass them a book and say you know you know have you heard of the work before they'll be a common response is oh I haven't 
you know, read it, but I've seen you at lots of shows. I, you know, I know that it's around. Hear nothing. Like, it was just like, who are you? What do you think you're doing here? You're not who usually has this spot, right? Like, I, it was, it was the uphill battle that I had not faced in a long time at a show. And it was kind of, once I realized it, it was kind of nice to reset and just say, okay, this is the kind of stuff we talk about on this freaking podcast about <laughs> how it's supposed to be. Follow your own advice. Let's bit. think about the advice. I literally made a little a bunch of notes in my little notebook and said, okay, what's the advice that we're giving to other people at first time shows that we haven't had to follow? We just used to experience. And I just sort of put it all, it came full circle. And I realized that I am not there as um, a facilitator of the sale and so that they can get access to the artist anymore. I am now there as a representative of a thing they've never heard of. And so my only job is to be as positive as possible so that next year what they remember about the booth was, wow, that guy was really nice. That guy was really open with everything he had. That guy was really excited and proud of his work. Let's go check out that guy again, right? And that reset my entire trajectory for the show where I reminded myself, oh, yeah, right. This is a first-time show now. It's not a five-time show so the great thing i noticed was because i've been doing the wizard show for so long and people who who are into comic conventions in chicago they would do the wizard show and they would do the c2e2 so i have what's that like yeah six years of of building up a bit of loyalty with these with people from chicago and uh as we always say like around the two three year mark you really start to see that paying off you see people coming back again and again and who had a great experience with you in the past or, or really liked what they picked up and, and they return. Those return customers are huge. And so that, uh, that's a huge part of the show was those conversations. Like, I've been seeing you since blah, blah, blah. I always think about your work. I'm going to pick some up this weekend. Hi, Kevin. I'm your biggest fan. How big is this show? I was seeing some photos of the floor. Is it all just one big floor? It's one big floor. It's the McCormick Center in uh, downtown Chicago. It's a really, really big space. They actually didn't quite take up all the room they had. Oh, wow, okay. Um, I'm trying to think of what to compare it to. Uh, it's not quite as big as the Emerald City Comic Con, but it's not too much that, That's multiple floors, though, right? You said that. Yeah, Emerald City takes up uh, takes up more more floors and several like different buildings as well. It's, it's a bit of a, a maze and a journey to get through all of Emerald City. C2E2 was just one huge floor. Right. Um, I want to say, I don't quote me on the numbers here, but if Emerald City is somewhere around the 80 to 100,000 people, uh, C2E2, I want to say, is around 60,000. That's just a, as a frame of reference. I don't know how accurate those numbers are. Um, but Dan yeah. was just asking about the size of the show, and I was trying to compare it to Emerald City or... Yeah. You know, um, well, maybe Dan should turn on a microphone for the rest of this yeah, podcast. Then. So what just Fine. happened there was uh, the UPS uh, that oh, yeah. caused Ta- me. A tell g- us, tell us the whole story, Greg. What happened with UPS and you this weekend? Oh, this is the story, dear listeners, of a grave injustice done to one artist alone in the city, in a world, in a world, <laughs> in the city of Chicago. So all is right with the world now. They've called me and fixed everything. But um, I had shipped ahead a number of things that I required to do 
the show. Which we always recommend because it's very heavy to bring boxes of books and prints with you. Oh, yeah. And so, expensive, to fly, especially if you're flying, especially right? Especially if you're flying. So for big shows like this, we often ship ahead to our hotel. And hotels are great about accepting packages and holding them for when you arrive. And as, as long as you're sort of five days ahead of your, you know, your arrival, uh, UPS three-day service is fantastic. Because even if they're late a day or two, which they occasionally are, it still arrives on time. Yeah. So I had built in enough of a mistake window that even if they had made a mistake, they could still overnight it to wherever it or needed so to go. Or so you thought. Or, or so I thought. Um, we checked the tracking number as uh, Justin is a pro at this. He reminded me to check the tracking number because it had been a couple days. Just make sure it's on the way. It's crossed the border. I did this that. This was the Monday before the show. We were, we were flying out on Thursday morning. The show started Friday. So this yeah. was almost, yeah, a full business week ahead. Yeah. Lots of time. Um, no, it had not yet left the UPS office according to the tracking number. Um, but it was at a different UPS office than it was supposed to be at. Uh, the long story short is that a missing commercial commercial invoice, um, which, which was a mistake made by the people at the office, um, caused it to get delayed at the border and then sent back. And then I called. They, it was still early, so they said, no problem. We've resent the uh, paperwork you need. It'll still arrive on time. So, you know, we carried about carry on about our business. I arrived to find out that it would be an extra week and a half before the box finally arrived um, on account of a different mistake that was made at the shipping office. So I was going to be without those things. And sometimes you just have to roll with it. So you just make alternate plans and do your best. And that's what you did? That's what we did. Okay. What can you do? You can't, you know, the things you can't change, you have to change how you think about them sometimes. Now, what do you guys, now you guys, uh, you fly to Chicago. Why? And it's a 16 hour drive. Why not drive there like you do to Calgary? Um, I find that at the customs, people at airports are a lot more um, interested in efficiency than the people yeah. on the ground. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's just a function of their job, right? Yeah, because the flights lead on, on a schedule, so you have to get them and, there. And yeah. all the things you own that are with you are going to go through a scanner at the airport, right? In a car, in a vehicle, there's a lot more nefarious business that could be going on. So they have to take more time and it can just be trouble. The other reason too is C2E2 falls very closely to the Calgary Comic Con, which we also drive to, which is a 12, 13 hour drive. And um, it takes a lot out of you, like doing all that packing and all that driving and then doing a show and getting back. And so C2E2, we always want to, um, we flew down like kind of with enough time to set up. And as soon as the show was done, we flew back. We were trying to be very efficient with our time there because we, Greg has some huge deadlines coming up and I have some really big plans coming up for the end of the month. So it was just, we wanted a quick in and out and, and driving where it is, it's, it's nicer. It, it's, I needed those extra 12, 16 hours to make really awesome baby metal pages. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, just as a proper parenthesis on this story, the reason I left the podcast briefly there is because UPS phoned me to say that they would refund all of the shipping costs and they would get my package back to me oh, here nice. at the studio so I can use it again for another show. So all is right with the world. And the key thing to making that work is that when we had problems, I called each time 
explained what the difficulty was, explained why it was important, and they had all of that on record so that when finally the manager looked it over, they were able to make an informed decision and say, you know what, in this case, it's completely our fault and we'll refund all of your money. I think it also helps. We go to that UPS often. They know our faces. They know uh, what we do in yeah. our, our business, and they like us a lot. Yeah. So we've built a relationship with our shipper. And uh, yeah. so I think you probably got a little bit of better service and quicker quicker reaction time than... Maybe. But I also, it's you know, it's just a function of um, everyone's trying to do their best. And... Yeah. For me, I mean, I've said this to you off uh, air many times, is that I don't mind when people make a mistake as long as they address the fact that they made that mistake and now they want to fix it. When they try to, when a, when a service is sort of modus operandi, is to flip it on you and make it somehow that you did it wrong or that if yeah. only you had done it two days earlier or whatever, you know, they're in the professional shipping business. They should be able to get a package from one place to another. If I miss my deadline, I have to answer for it. If yeah. they miss theirs, I hope they will too. We had another mishap with shippers at the show. Oh, we'll yeah. We'll just talk about that briefly um, because I think it's something I wish I, I knew a bit more going into shows like this is every convention center has some kind of logistics shipper built into it. So at the McCormick Center and at the Emerald City show that we did last month, they have uh, a company called GES that if you're shipping stuff into the show and shipping stuff out of, they will facilitate that. They're the official floor people of that show. Um, so after Emerald City Comic Con, both Greg and I ship stuff with GES from Seattle to wait to be at our booth in Chicago. And the we great a couple thing, hundred pounds of oh, stuff wow. that we didn't okay. want to take the on the plane. The great thing yeah. about that is, yeah, not only does it is it going to be in Chicago, but it's going to be waiting for us at our booth when we get there. Um, so it's a huge convenience. Um, the problem with companies like that is they're big and faceless and often what happens is what you just said um if things go wrong it's nobody's fault but yours yeah so they had put some hidden fees in uh. and you know talking to them about that they were like well what are you gonna do about it yeah, yeah you already the, got your stuff the, the story that we were told several times at emerald city of what was going to happen once we got to chicago they're like no that's not how it's gonna work um, so we just we felt a little betrayed and and surprised by. So let's sum up for our constant listeners here. Don't trust the man. No, dude. <laughs> no, 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 Dan. <laughs> Open your heart to the possibility that in fact, people will make it right at the end, as long as you can sort of get them on the phone and talk to them. Person and to and person. actually, that's what we're gonna do. I'm not I'm not trying to slam GES for for what yeah. they did the for story us. Story is I am not going over. To we're gonna phone and get and get this whole story because I do feel like the story I was told by the one one part of it was a very different story than when we got to Chicago and we got hit with some really big hidden fees that we had no idea that right. were coming. Right. And because yeah. our plan is to be a regular customer. Yeah. Right. It gives you some. Like this is something you likely will do again next year. Yeah, we'd right? like to. Yeah, but if this is how it works, we'll then maybe we look into something other. Also, yeah. I, they are set up for booths like the Weta booth that has like eight pallets weighing a couple tons. Yeah, we are an artist. We're we're artists with you know maybe two to three hundred pounds worth of of paper at the max. So we're we're pretty small fries for them. So I think that's part of it. Like we're almost 
a waste of their time and it reflected in what they charged us. That's it. Goodbye. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with a man who's lining up to be a hot lunch. I'm- you were nice enough to offer up some passes to some of my students in the uh, graphic design program at Red River College. So I was kind of going back and forth with, with you and them trying to coordinate that. And I just quickly went over to the C2E2 website and noticed that Jim Lee was there on mm-hmm. the Friday. And I'm, I was saying to the students, that's reason enough to go on a Friday. Like, he's, he was only there the one day. Yeah. I'm like, if you want to go meet Jim Lee, now's the time. Do you guys ever get a chance to do that stuff? Sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting is that um, usually we meet those people at what's called BarCon. <laughs> okay. Right. So Barcon is sort of the slang term for the closest, like the hotel where most of the guests are staying, usually in the bar that night. That's where they all are. Oh, okay. All the industry people are hanging out just like regular folks because we're all just regular folks, frankly. And so everyone goes there and sort of mixes and mingles and sort of has a good time. So it's a lot more casual and fun to meet those people kind of organically rather yeah. than have a list of like, oh, if I go to Barcon, I can track down Jim Lee. More like if you're there, you might bump into him. And yeah, happy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I've got actually came up in, in Chicago. Um, Phil Lamar, the voice actor for ah, Samurai yes. Jack and Hermes from Futurama. Marvin yeah, from Pulp I, Fiction. I've, yeah, Marvin from Poor guy. <laughs> Poor Marvin. I met him on you a shot number. Marvin in the face. <laughs> I met him exactly the way I wanted to meet him. Um, it was because so many people were buying my artwork based on Samurai Jack, getting him to sign it that people were coming back saying like he would like to meet you like you should go up and talk to him so i brought a huge canvas and and got to meet him and and talk to him and so um that was how kind of that that relationship started he liked my artwork i i liked that he liked it um and then for a couple shows after that i would try to print extra ones so he could have them at his table as well um and then at c2e2 i didn't realize he was going to be there but um like I sold out of Samurai Jack way quicker than I was supposed to because he was sending people to me and I was sending people to him. Every time I sold one, I'm like, also, so you know, Phil Lamar, the voice actor for Jack is here. Go get him to sign it. He's the nicest guy ever. So it's, it's a great back and forth. And that was also how I met Bender from Futurama because I did a Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War. I didn't realize that was the voice actor. I didn't know that either. Yeah, so... People are like, this guy wants to meet you. Like, go go meet this guy. And so I didn't if, recognize his name at this point. Yeah, if you're not a creator but an enabler, like someone who just loves to consume good content, those are the kinds of, those are the magical things I think that the Comic Con experience can create for you. You know, like you, you know, you love oh. Samurai Jacks. So you buy the print, then you meet the artist, and the artist says, Oh, well, you know, I've met the creator or the voice actor. Why don't you go see him? And then when you see the voice actor, he's like, Oh yeah, that artist guy. And and suddenly that person is having an experience that you're not going to get by watching the DVD at home. That's right. Right. Okay. So my very favorite, um, my favorite, like my favorite one that happened was uh, the entire voice cast for the Ninja Turtles, like all four turtles, um, kept seeing my turtle stuff pop up at like their the original so series. I, sorry, the original series. The or original the re- series. Okay. The original cartoon series. So I was able at Calgary Comic Con like a couple of years ago. I was able to go there. I did not know. And this they story. had a huge lineup and. Uh, I was like, I was a guy who did this. And they're like, you come to the front and you get to. And then because they all had separate lineups. So I got to go to the front of the line and then jump across and meet every single one of them individually. And the piece is actually hanging up on the wall in the studio here. They all signed in Sharpies according to their Ninja Turtle color. So purple Sharpie, right. red Sharpie, orange Sharpie. 
Except for uh, the pinky in the brain guy, Donatello. He only had a black Sharpie. Uh-oh. Yeah, so he felt really bad about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Who did uh, he do in pinky in the brain? He was uh, pinky. Was he? Yeah. Oh, He's, okay. done, he's done quite I, yeah, a bit. Yeah, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a million. Yeah. These voice actors are amazing. I love yeah. them. Remember, I they have a good Calgary story. Versatile. Um, I don't know if it's good. And maybe I shouldn't even tell this story in retrospect, but we're going to go for it anyway. So the year that the entire cast of The Walking Dead was there, before all the horrible deaths of all our favorites, right? <laughs> when uh, most of them were still in the show? When they yeah. were all yeah. still in the show. They were all there. And it was, you know, it's really... Uh, Calgary Comic Expo always did a great job with their guests of having this really fantastic green room experience and i was there with renegade arts at that time and so, so you were I able had to get access to this pass green room. and it was you know it was really cool um but maybe not in the way you guys think so the green room has all great healthy snacks in it and so that's great so that's what i was there for and i had gotten some great healthy snacks i had them in my hand and i had my pass had been you know, as I was hanging around, it had flipped over. So my name and my actual, like, credentials was not there. Just the color of the pass that gave you access. So as I walked out, there was a man, there was some handlers there. And they said, and they had a golf cart because you're behind the scenes, right? There, there's, like, this sort of tunnel that runs through the convention center. They said, are you, you know, are we supposed to pick you up? Are you going to the signing? And because um, sometimes if presented with an interesting situation, <laughs> it can be fun to say yes. I stood up straight and said, yes. I looked him right in the eye and said, yes. And so he said, right this way, sir. And he brought me up onto the cart. And um, you can corroborate this by going way back into my Instagram feed because I have some video that I posted, I believe, in the moment of being whisked along at very high speeds along this cart. Now I realize I'm about to get in trouble because I have no business being whisked along by all of this apparatus. And what I thought was just going to be like a moment where I just, no, no, I'm just kidding. Now I'm, now I'm trapped and I'm in it now. Too far in. I'm too far in. And so I don't know where I'm going, though. I don't know where you don't know which signing they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) You can sign your own stuff. And they are blast. They're shooting along, and people are moving out of the way, and they're honking, and I'm late for this event. (laughs) And so you'd best get going. And there's a security line that we're coming up to, and there are like legit bodyguard security there now, right? That the cart is pulling up to, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm about to get in a fair amount of trouble, perhaps detained, or maybe just forcibly removed from this golf cart. No. They wave because they are telling on this little bullhorn, you know, he's late for the signing. And so the security guys clear out. Um, They pull up to the back of the stage. I can hear the crowd outside screaming and yelling. And I'm holding my healthy snacks. And I'm thinking (laughs) to myself, "Uh uh-oh. And the only way out now is through that curtain. Wow. Onto the stage. And I walked out. Somewhere has got to be somebody's video of this on the internet somewhere. Because the following thing happened. I walked out sort of as sort of majestically as I could. Holding healthy snacks. Holding healthy snacks. And I am behind the entire cast of The Walking Dead who are all there, you know, to the accolades of the screaming fans. And this like the record skip moment where everyone looks to see who else has come out because for a second the spotlight is on you because you've come through the thing. And no, that guy's nobody, right? (laughs) right? Everyone just turns away and carries on. And my next thought now is, if anybody asks, this food is for Norman Reedus. There you go. This is my way out. Yeah. I 
slowly walk over to the side of the stage and I just sort of walk away sheepishly. I turn the corner and who should be standing right there but John Carpenter. Oh. And so I got to say hello to John Carpenter and tell him that I was a fan and then uh, walked the long walk back to my table because I've been brought to the total other end of the convention center. So somewhere somebody has a video of that whole event, and you can <laughs> see me coming out and then leaving. Rather I'm going to look for that. I'm going to look yeah. for that video. Imposter ruins yeah. Walking Just Dead up, panel. Look up yeah. Walking Dead panel at uh, Calgary uh, yeah, Comic Con. Yeah, I don't know what and, was. Yeah, but oh, I, I, I do remember when that happened because I had friends who were there that uh, that did send videos and and, and photos yeah. back. Yeah, it was yeah. Um, it was fun. I'm sure it was, but perhaps not the best thing to have done at that time. <laughs> I would have done that's it awesome. absolutely. That's that's what seize the day, right? Seize the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am. Now, were you su- were you supposed to be? Were they there to pick up an actual? Cast I believe member? so. Yeah. So the only thing you, I can imagine. So some cast is, member is, didn't is, get there because you took his cart left behind. Who would it be? Do you think? I do not know those details, but what I do know is that the professionalism and um, sort of sheer. Uh, momentum of that entire machine was brought to bear bringing the wrong person to that stage. <laughs> and I appreciated it. I the really resources did. resources wasted. Good. Yeah, wasted. So my apologies to the Calgary Expo. Now I make sure my pass is facing the right way and I do not <laughs> impersonate people who are punching far above my belt class. But you still get healthy snacks. I do. Hey, kid. What'd you do before all this? Delivered pizzas? Why? It's got to be really wearing on you to, to do a four-day. Was this a four-day one? C2E2? This was three days. Okay, so yeah. three days. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Solo, though. What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, we, we brought no oh, helpers. Oh, I see. So you yeah. were at your table the entire time. Now, you must be able to get breaks and stuff. How do you get breaks? You just have to leave. I oh, had really? S- yeah. It's, it was, for me, it was literally like being there for the first time, like being at a first-time show. No one knows who you are. No one cares. No you one's can't get anybody to, to watch you. Your t- you guys were not no close to each other? support. We were, we're close. close to each other, but we're all we're all there solo, right? Right, so right, I, right. I don't feel comfortable asking Greg to leave his booth to watch mine. Right, right. and vice because versa. Because then he's in the exact same situation yeah. I would be in. Yeah, yeah. and uh, our other friend, um, Drake, uh, who who does the Quirkylicious art, he, he was also he was flying close by too, but same situation. He's got a, a pretty big following. He's got a crowd. He can kind of keep on an eye on my booth from his booth, but he's got people in front of him too. On um, on the Saturday, it got to the point where I did not have phys- like a physical break in the crowd of people coming to my booth. And so at one point, I just had to go, guys, look, I'm running to the bathroom. I'm going to jump over the table right now, move aside. I'll be back in two minutes. Please don't steal anything. Yeah. <laughs> I basically, I kind of size a group up and they all seem like friendly and trustworthy. I usually trust them. Like The thieves always do. I give them it. a job, right? Can you guys watch my table? I'm going to run away for a second. And then they kind of take it upon themselves. Like, oh yeah, we'll look through this portfolio. We will, we will keep his bit table safe. So the one moment that I had where, in fact, it did feel like being at home was when a Winnipegger approached the booth, Simon, who you know as I well. I know Simon, yes. Yeah, he came up. I told him to come find you. Yeah, so he found me there, and I was like, oh, great, it's great to see you, and we chatted for a bit, and then I realized the awesome power is like, in a couple of hours, can you come back to the table? He was like, oh, why? He realized, like, maybe I had this really important job for him. I was like, because by then, I need to pee, I'm sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> And so they did, and I was able to have a Saturday bathroom break without abandoning my table to the masses. But um, 
it was interesting because Justin had been there a lot. He had, you know, tons of, he was like, it was the opposite scenario where he was so busy that leaving the table would be bad. And for me, it was like, well, I don't know when the people are going to show up because it's like, it's been in surges. Yeah. And I don't want to miss it. If I leave it, that could be the next one until the next surge. So it was a very uh, interesting experience. And, um, Normally in that position, I would be getting people to take cards and takeaways and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that stuff was in the shipping that never arrived. But we used the banner trick. We have all our socials and all our contact information up on the banner. And so I saw a direct correlation to, you know, people say, do you have a card? Hey, take a picture of the banner. And then immediately I have followers on social, like within an hour of people like checking Most it out. Most people were just asking, well, okay, so it's chasing artwork. You on Instagram? Yeah. So they would immediately go onto Instagram and follow me. Yeah. Um, so I, I saw versus you hand out cards, they put it into that huge pile of cards everybody has and they'll never look at it again. Or if they do look at it, they have no idea why they have it. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're not going to actually look up every single one of those cards. Um, so I find getting that, that's my logo. That's my name. It's all under that. Like whatever social media you want, I'll be on there. Like, what about what about Vero? Are you on Vero? No, I want that. I want you to be on Vero. Vero, <laughs> it's a new thing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's not. I was just joking. Which, yeah, what is? It's Vero a new do? thing. It's you not. Know what, Justin, if you're not there, oh. you don't belong. <laughs> Are you on Vero? Account? I have an account. Do a shout out for your Vero account. Vero no, account. no, no. It's nothing. It's not. It's not going to be around in a year. It's, yeah. it's uh, already oh, that's dying. Some, that's some cold. Business. Oh right, yeah. that was the thing. Everybody was jumping ship on Instagram. Everybody was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. And a then they could not. Vero could not handle. The traffic, and so it was just crashing and burning yes. during their huge surge. Yeah. So I haven't heard of anything since that, like one week where everybody jumped yeah. over. Nobody's brought that was it up a couple since. months ago. Startup, anyways. Um, problems. Well, well, hold on. I have a I have another comment to make about um, the fragility of the artist's ego as well. So as we have mentioned previously in this episode, a number of things that were supposed to ship to the table did not arrive. One of them was a huge stock of the books that was going to sell. And so we had shipped some things from Seattle, the few copies I had left of stuff, and I sold out of them almost immediately. So for most of the show, part of my identity was missing, it felt. You, know? you didn't have books there. Because I didn't have books. Like people would say, you know, what do you do? a huge chunk of your portfolio. A huge chunk of my portfolio, a huge portion of my sales are caught up in the fact that people, you know, if they've never heard of the work, if it's mostly creator-owned work on the posters that you're selling, right? They'd rather take a chance on the book, right? Maybe they don't know that character. They kind of like the poster, they like the composition, but they've never heard of it before. Oh, that's out of this book here. They're like, oh, well, for this, you know, for $25, I'll buy the book or 20 for a poster. I'll buy the book. I'll get 120 pages of images and we'll give it a shot. That was absent for me. Oh, uh, no. So I also didn't have that way to like, People would say, well, what do you do? And it's like, well, I'm a writer and illustrator. Well, what kind of books do you do? And it was just this empty promise that I really <laughs> did have books that existed. And it was an interesting position to be in. I did notice a post on your Instagram uh, feed that, that showed um, people were coming up to you with uh, with a thing um, yeah. art book, the John Carpenter so book. Cool. So people, they knew that you had contributed a piece. Same with you, Justin. They knew yeah, you, yeah. you as well. So did they just know that? or did Yeah, you... I had 25, maybe 30 people that came up to me with the thing art book and knew that I had a page in it and had so they just did, they did the research they looked they at the artists the who were at the con and then checked the book to see if they were artists that were in that book yes. so they're their goal is to get every single one of those that's right pieces there's a signed. lot of people that had a list yeah they had 
They had their thing book and they had a list of where they were going to get all yeah, the Yeah, somewhere signatures. in the neighborhood of 15 or 20 of the contributors to that 230 to 240 page book were there at the show. Okay. Yeah. So it was a good place for people to find those signatures. And that felt, that was the, sort of the first experience like that for me in an away show to have people seek me out, right? There's no, there's no monetary gain for it. It's simply. Uh, a way that you can be as excited as they are that there's a thing art book, right? They're like, yeah. oh, you're in this, yeah. And I would draw little horrible monsters in them for them and, you know, off they'd go. So that part's good for the ego, but not super good for the pocketbook. And but so- it, it, it's long-term, right? Yeah. So they, they're, because they had a great interaction with you later on, they, they might come back next year and buy buy something from you because they know you. Yeah, one hopes, one hopes. <laughs> another, like another good example that brings up is um, a lot of conventions have started doing art books. Like so Seattle and Calgary, you submit to a themed art book prior to the show. Um, they take the art, if they approve it, if it goes to a jury, if they approve it, it gets printed in this hardcover art book that's, you know, if you get a VIP package, you get the art book as an attendee, or you can just go to the uh, convention uh, merch store and, and buy this book, and all the artists in this book are at the show. So what people do is they buy this book, and they go around to every single one of those artists, and they collect signatures scavenger as hunt, a yeah. big scavenger hunt. And so both Greg and I have been part of books like that before, and we were kind of disappointed in that we thought that would translate to to sales on our end. People would see our artwork in the book and then want that print or want something from us. But people would just come and get the signature and run off to get the next one. Mm. And so it was initially kind of like, oh, that's a little disappointing. But then we noticed that would usually happen on the Friday. By like Saturday evening or Sunday, those people would come back and like, oh yeah, you, I remember seeing you, I liked your work. We were just getting signatures at the time, but now I'm I'm ready. It's almost like a full page ad getting blasted at them prior to to them buying your stuff. You know, and it's funny because we hear from other people that that's not their experience at all. I think that in Justin, I, if we do something that turns out to be a you know not so great business decision, but we did it and we liked the work that we did in it, the enthusiasm is not different, right? Between a book you bought and a book you brought. I'm just as excited that you're excited because, you know, here we are in the studio and it feels like a wonderful circus. But most of the time you're just working by yourself, yeah. you know, hoping someone will care. And so when they show up and they care, you care too, <laughs> right? Um, but then I think it's the enthusiasm that is transferring over to those other days, right? So if you're trying to figure out like how to monopolize on the art book, it's not really going to work. Do you think people who really crunch the numbers, like we run into people a lot who are really trying to figure out the math of, of that kind of stuff? I'm sure some of them. People who are way better at math are probably doing great figuring that stuff out. I don't know that you can really do that for any type of advertising or marketing. They, they try. A lot of people try to show return on investment and all kinds of ways to justify the different ways in which you market a product or, or sell something or try to sell something, but... The truth is, like for advertising, you don't really know what works. Right. You know what I mean? Like every, people advertise in many different ways, uh, um, TV and and although all these ways are kind of dying now, but there's no real measurement tool to unless you ask the person directly, "Why are you here? Did you see? How did you find out about this?" Right? right. That you can do that, but other than that, there's no way of knowing what what real reason they're they are there for us too but it's all good the metrics are different because the cities are different all the moving parts are different you can't compare one year to another and say i did this kind of advertising and it 
you know, translated to this sales. Sometimes the fact that Patrick Stewart showed up at the show is the reason why he did so well. Because yeah. an extra 20,000 people showed up too. Yeah. Well, you said you the story about Phil Lamar. There's a good uh, uh, parallel as well. He's at a show. You do a Samurai Jack uh, print. So that's, that's you're going to sell more of those. Especially if he's telling people to come to your table. Yeah, you know what like... I mean? um, Seattle, which is a bigger show, I had Samurai Jack there. I had the exact same quantity at Emerald City and at C2E2. And Emerald City, that piece lasted the entire show. I did not sell out of Samurai Jack at Emerald City. The exact same amount sold out by Saturday morning at C2E2. Because and Phil. it's a smaller show. Right. But because Phil Lamar was there and because I was, we had that back and forth and because it's just a different city, they have different tastes, that piece was gangbusters. I wonder if there's a... Here's a free idea for everybody. I guess the race is on as soon as this goes live. Um, if there's a way to reach out to the agents, because a lot of these guys who do these shows have the same agents. You know, kind like of, it's kind agency, of, yeah. Yet they can have the same kind of contact. To reach out to them and say, you know, we'll produce individual signing prints just for those people. They would love that. Right? I have that relationship with a couple of boys. So, yeah, yeah, they yeah. would love that. But to reach out en masse and say, like, you know, if you're managing 20 people in your stable and say okay well i'll provide 20 pieces you tell me the properties that you want me to do we could even do it as a licensed thing you know through the and and produce work that corresponds to when you and they are going to be at the same shows yeah yeah that would that would be right? and help that, each other i think that would work and ultimately help the people who are buying it have a better experience have a more interesting experience yes exactly right and if that is the end goal then i think all shows would be better. Everything is connected. Nothing is also connected. I found the uh, attitude in Exhibitor at C2E2 to be way more mercenary than Seattle. I thought at first it might just be a like Canadian-US experience, but no, Seattle was very, everyone was kind of happy and sort of thrilled to be there and having a great time, whether the, you know, whatever the sales were. But in Chicago, everyone was like hungry and hunting <laughs> and like you know there was there was a it's a different vibe yeah a different yeah, yeah. like and now this is just anecdotal and chicago i like you a lot particularly chinatown where we stayed we had oh, a great man. time we had a great time chicago In chinatown chicago. is amazing um except for one sim card retailer but he'll remain nameless <laughs> greg got totally yeah yeah, there was a bait and switch. We had to go back. Man, yeah, this was like a rookie show for me. It felt like I was doing it all getting over again. Getting duped by everybody yeah, left Getting and right. duped by a SIM card dealer, getting the UPS guy shafting me, having the, the, the uh, freight guys at the convention center, you know, hide something in the bill. But in the end, you pay your money and you take your chances, right? Like if you're going to let that turn your show sour at the beginning, well, why did you go? Might as well go home. That's right. Right? Might as well go home. Not but, take those risks. Yeah. And instead, what happened was we said, okay, well, since I can't do this, this, or this, I'm going to do these other things and try them in a different way. And one of the things that I made sure I did was the first hour of every show, I went and looked for other things that might be a good fit for my work. And we, you know, we'll, uh, uh, until the ink is dry, we can't really talk about it, but uh, there was one that was a great fit that would have uh, a big reach and reach a new demographic for me and be a place where I could put my work. So if that translates into a real thing, then the show Chicago twice might is good for you. Maybe 10 times yeah. what a typical show would be. So you just have to be open to those possibilities. Like 
having a bad show and having a bad day, those are different, right? I can have a bad show and a good day, no problem. But you have to be open to the possibility that these other things affect your mood just as much as, you know, the UPS guy messing up, right? Yeah. I don't know. Is that yeah. true? I think so. I think so. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Although it's easier for me to talk about my mood uh, in a positive light, but you had to live with me. How was I really? <laughs> the only scary Greg I remember was at the airport when we missed our flight. <laughs> So we had a missed oh connection. My gosh. And, oh, and on yeah. the as the plane is getting ready to descend, the stewardess comes by and she goes, You have a connection. I'm go, yeah. So she looks at the connection, she's like, Okay, you're gonna have five minutes when we get to the airport. You're not gonna make it. They're not gonna wait for you. Like, don't worry about it. There's another flight like two hours later. So like just don't stress out, you're fine. The a different Apparently, stewardess told me Greg, something very different. Greg oh. got a very different story. Yeah. Okay, we checked for you. Here is the gate where your flight is leaving. You'll have just about eight minutes. And it's a really long way because we were at the Minneapolis airport. Right. Which is huge. the longest airport Very huge. Yes, in right there. existence. So basically one end of the airport to the other in eight minutes. And, and I we're told talking myself, like a full kilometer. Yeah, at least. I told myself... <laughs> I've been training for this, right? I walked <laughs> to the studio. I carry also, a heavy how bag. how heavy is your backpack? I had 50 pounds in my pack, right? As Hopefully my carry-on no airlines are listening yeah. because he had way more weight <laughs> in that backpack than should Thank be allowed. Thank you, Delta. <laughs> um, and so I was having a very different internal narrative. Justin had said, oh, no problem. We got two hours. We'll just wait. I was like, it's go time. And Justin must have received the same information as me. We were sitting in different parts of the plane. So I know not to wait for him because he'll know it's go time. And we have this joke at the studio called feats of strength. And so I was, you know, this will feats be a feat of strength. Feats of strength. Of strength. Yeah. And so as soon as they cleared the aisle for us, and they, the students were great. They said, you know, there's a number of people trying to make a connection to a bunch of different cities. We're going to just let them run off right now. So I ran. I ran the whole way. I was left side, left side, left side through the whole airport, telling people, like calling out in front, coming around. And I am sweating because I am ready for Winnipeg weather when I arrive. So I'm wearing my winter jacket and I have... You had a couple layers. A couple of layers. <laughs> I am sweating and I am just listening to my heartbeat and I'm like, okay, I know that I'm not in my prime anymore, but it can take it. You can take it. Fly her apart then, as the old saying goes. So... I run all the way across, at least a kilometer, all the way across the terminal. And I am running even on the moving sidewalks like I am going. And I get Which to makes the you gate. feel like a superhero. Yeah, it does because you're yeah. taking these big long strides yeah, yeah. and you're going so fast. Meanwhile, the people and I'll be just damned if like I didn't get to that gate inside of 10 minutes. Nice. Right? And I just like, boom, slam into it. And they're closing the door. Uh, no, no, no. It's not closed yet. So I'm like, I know. Once it's closed... There is no way back, but it's not closed yet. So I say, hold the door, hold the door. And they hold the door. And I look at them and I look on the board and they're going to like Maui or somewhere. Like they're not going to Winnipeg. They had given me the wrong information. Oh, I had no. run past three terminals, right? At Seagate, right at the front was where I needed to be. And I had run past all 29 gates and then 12 more gates into B before finding out that I had to go back, and by then... It's too late. It had flown off. And meanwhile, Justin's just taking his time, because he knew... Just strolling. (laughs) So, actually, yeah, halfway through the airport, I'm kind of hustling, because all these people have missed this Winnipeg connection, so I'm a little worried that when I get to this new gate, 
the, all the seats will be gone. So I'm trying to hustle there to get there in time to get my seat placement, right? So I didn't see Greg run off the plane in like a flash. I was waiting for him at like the, at the first flight. I was waiting for him, like waiting for it because he was f- sitting behind me somewhere. And so, so I'm sitting there, like, him off the plane? I'm starting oh. to get, like, ants. He's like, Greg wouldn't have left without me. Like, he would have, like, <laughs> say, hey, like, we're going. It's like, and I don't want to leave without him. But the, then the pilots and the stewardess came off. I'm like, oh, Greg somehow got past me. So I'm running, and I'm phoning him at the same time, and he's not picking up. And I'm like, okay, but I got to get to this new gate because I need to get, you and, know. And they've told me that the flights are going to fill up. Yeah. And they've told me that at C11 or whatever is where you can book. So now I'm hustling back in the other direction. And we pass each other on the moving on the moving sidewalk. So uh, I had to run backwards on a moving sidewalk. Justin turns around. He doesn't wait for it to get there. He just <laughs> turns around. There's nobody there, and he sprints the wrong way on the moving sidewalk. So we're racing now, which also made me feel like a superhero. That's right. And uh, so he met wet Greg in the halfway in the terminal. I am just dripping with sweat at that point. By the time we got to the right gate, my stewardess had been the right one. The plane had left before ours had even landed. landed. There oh. was no actual chance that Greg could have caught that flight which i think is the I worst i feed on hope though hope is my bread and butter so i think I that was the worst it. thing they gave you hope and yeah. it had been there was no hope from the get-go rebellions are built on hope <laughs> <laughs> so we tried to have a rebellion at the gate but the guy he was very professional and he was yeah. very understanding and he handled me well i will give him that he handled flustered wet greg very well because I had been given the wrong information, and I thought I could make the connection, and he assured me that you thought you could get back no to your family. No matter how yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I wanted, just wanted to see my family, man. Uh, no matter how superhuman I had been, the door would have been locked by the time our flight arrived. So okay, that was all right. So we had a very nice time, and I did pages in the airport for my new. Yeah, project. I got. We both got work done. Yeah. In those two hours, we we didn't uh, we didn't let that time go to waste, nor let all those horrible things spoil the show for us. Can I get an ice cream? It's late, sweetheart. I'm closed. The music's still playing. Well, sounds like you guys had a good time overall. We did. Yeah. Overall. Are you coming back next year? I will be there next year. C2E2. We will be back next year. Yeah, we'll if see you saw, th- saw us this year, we will be in pretty much the exact same spot. We're going to try to get adjacent booths. So when one of us has to go to the bathroom, the other one can keep an eye on us. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, come well, visit us again. Yeah, visit us. This has been Super Pulp Science, where we've talked about how to make a bad show a good show, and how to make a good show a bad show, how to get yourself on the Walking Dead panel, how to become pals with the voice actor of Samurai Jack. And <laughs> we are encouraging you that no matter uh, how badly your day has gone, remember that you can change how you feel about it uh, by changing how you think about it. Don't forget, join the fight and make comics. Yeah.